There are a few things on the back table that may be a help to you. Uh, there's a music CD of our family, and um, that's available back there. There's a couple of books. Uh, this is one that I brought back. Should Christians drink wine and alcohol? I don't know why we have to ask that question or answer it these days, but that is available back there. Um, there are fresh prayer cards. We just got these this week. So if you have one of the old ones, someone said, well, I've got one of your really old prayer cards. And some of you were snickering at our rookie card that you saw up there from uh, uh, deputation days when we just had one child and we were traveling around and, and uh, just had uh, baby Drew at that time. And so uh, this is our latest card just printed this week. I hope you'll take that and keep us in your prayers. And then finally, this little notebook that Pastor Eugene's wife, she sews these. And uh, these are available for any gift of $10 or more. That will go directly to their family and the ministry that they're doing there in Creevy, Cameroon. Uh, so the small books are $5. The CDs and the large books and this uh, notebook thing here is uh, for any gift of $10 or more. And my daughter Emma will be back there. And um, I do ask you to please keep Cameroon in your prayers. The Civil War is still going on. Uh, for those who don't know, there are 10 regions or 10 states. You saw the little map up there with the different colors. The two regions, the two most western regions, uh, made a declaration of independence back in uh, 2017. And uh, even before that, there were many strikes and things going on. And so this year, this month, will begin the sixth year where the children in the north and southwest regions of Cameroon have been unable to go to school because of this conflict. Many of the villages and towns across the border with uh, Nigeria have been razed and uh, completely uh, abandoned, and those were some of the regions that we were uh, most closely uh, working and targeting. And uh, just a reminder that there is a spiritual warfare going on. I don't think that's an accident that in all of Cameroon, where there's a concentration of missionaries preaching the gospel, planting churches, that a civil war breaks out. I don't think that's an accident. I think the devil is at work. But the other eight regions, uh, primarily French-speaking, even though there are 300 different languages spoken in Cameroon, the official languages are English and French, and so if you go to school there, uh, well, right now you'll be taught in French because all the English-speaking uh, areas are, are closed down, at least the schools are right now. Um, they're kind of business as usual, those other eight regions. And so that's where we've been ministering this last term. That's where we're planning to return November 1st. And uh, we would appreciate your prayers. We're still praying for uh, 100 new missionaries. Most of those who surrendered to that call a couple years ago when we traveled across the country, uh, most of those were college students, so they're just now getting out of college. I talked to a couple yesterday, a couple students yesterday who are interested in making a survey trip to Cameroon. Uh, the Chris Sanderland family is on deputation with Baptist World Mission right now to go to Cameroon. And so God is answering that prayer, and we're trusting him for that. And we ask you to continue to pray with us, if you would, that God would raise up 100 new missionaries for the country of Cameroon and uh, furthering the gospel from Cameroon into the rest of Africa, uh, central, north, and all directions from there, if the Lord would allow and if he tarries. So we appreciate your prayers for that. We appreciate your faithful partnership. If there are any questions, please stop by the table and see us. Our email is there if there's a long line or whatever and you'd like to correspond we would love to correspond with you and to communicate uh, in the future as well. At this time, if you please take your Bible and turn to the book of Psalms. I'm going to look at Psalm 126. Psalm 126. 
say, psalms, a missionary coming and speaking from psalms. Maybe you weren't expecting that, but I think you'll see where we are going. We are going to look at a universal truth that affects not only farming, but it also impacts missions and evangelism in the local church and, and really every area of life. This is one of those universal truths. And so I hope we will recognize that and apply it in our own lives. Psalm 126. If you're there, please stand with me. Psalm 126. I'm just going to read the whole psalm, and then we are going to focus on verses 5 and 6 this evening. The Bible says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for what you are doing in Cameroon and around the world. We are thankful to be involved in your program, your great commission, for your honor and your glory. I pray, Lord, this evening that your word would touch our hearts in the way that you desire. I know you've laid this on my heart, and as I preach, I pray your Holy Spirit, not only would I be filled with your spirit, but each one listening would be filled with your spirit, and that you would use your word to conform us to the image of Christ tonight. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight I want to uh, kind of echo, if I could say that, where pastor started this morning in Sunday school. He started in Matthew chapter 28, and we're familiar with those verses, starting with, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, or make disciples. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world or the age. Amen. And uh, pastor began to focus on that disciple-making and, and, and was explained to us what that looks like and what it should look like and some examples and some history of discipleship. Tonight, I just want to focus on that first part, the while-you-are-going part, the as-you-therefore-go, uh, all right? And we see that phrase here, that instruction, that implied here, go forth. That's the title of the message, and that's my simple challenge tonight. Go forth. You're not going to make disciples sitting at home in your room by yourself. It requires us to go forth. We're not going to baptize or teach them all things that God has instructed us unless we go forth. And so I just want to emphasize that this evening. Go forth. How should we go forth? Well, we should go forth in obedience. Go forth in obedience. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I am very embarrassed to say this evening that I grew up in a Christian home, went to Christian school, and attended Bible college for one year, and was sitting in a Christian camp one day during the summer 
And someone, a preacher, preached in that camp on the Great Commission. And for the first time in my life, I realized that is a command. I'm embarrassed to admit that. Uh, somehow I was under the impression that the Great Commission was for those in ministry or for missionaries. Go ye therefore and teach all nations as we heard this morning. Mark 16, 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature is God's command for every single one of us in this room tonight. It's for you. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, I am so grateful for this church. When I walk in the back door and I see the world and the world and the world and the world and the world on every wall in every corner of this room. Because I realize that this church recognizes their responsibility, the command that has been given to this church and each individual in this church to reach the world. You know, there are many churches that don't realize that. I was in a church in Ohio less than a month ago, and the pastor before the service was pouring out his heart to me. He said, Brother Ben, this church is 96 years old, and we have never sent a missionary or a church planter out of this church. We support missions, we love missions, but I am burdened about sending missionaries out of this church. And as that pastor had been praying and probably fasting and agonizing and begging God, God did something that night. The invitation in that service, two families came forward to surrender their life to missions. Wow. Wow. One couple and one family with three kids and one on the way. And they said, we surrender. We're we're, going to go. We're going to obey that command. We're going to go and serve the Lord. Maybe there's someone here this evening, even in this missions-minded church. God is burdening your heart, and maybe for the first time you're realizing tonight that this is a command. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go forth in obedience, no matter the cost. Our family is reading in our family devotions in Ezekiel, and we just obviously went through uh, Jeremiah, and uh, I was reminded again there in Jeremiah chapter 20, it's an amazing passage. I hope you're familiar with this passage. We all know Jeremiah, you know, great prophet uh, uh, and so forth. And, and we think of him and, and uh, that huge book of the Bible. I'm pretty sure it's the biggest book in the Bible. And we, we look at that and we think of his name, but we forget about Jeremiah 20. In Jeremiah 20, Jeremiah is preaching and preaching and preaching. And all of a sudden, the governor, who's also a priest, arrests him and puts him in stocks beside the house of God so that people can mock him and deride. I mean, I just imagine people walking up to Jeremiah and throwing tomatoes at him and, and deriding him. And Jeremiah, this man of God, gets fed up. And he tells God, I'm not doing this anymore. God, you lied to me. You told me to go and preach. And I went and preached. And this is what I get. Derision, mocking. I'm not doing this anymore. And if he could fold his hands, which he couldn't because they were in stocks, but if he could, his heart was just kind of like, I'm not doing this anymore. Okay, I can't sit there. There's fire in my bones. I I can't just keep this word to me. I have got to get this word out. I have got to obey. 
I'm not seeing any results. I'm not seeing any fruit. But it has changed my life. And I have got to get the word of God out to others. Obedience, no matter the cost. Jeremiah knew about the cost. No matter the response. Remember Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 6. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Jeremiah, or excuse me, Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. And God says, all right, go and tell this people. This people right here, they're not going to listen to you, but go and tell this people. Wait, wait, what a minute. What? What was that? Just kind of imagine Isaiah. That, wait, you want me to go and tell these people, and you're telling me in advance that their ears are heavy, and their hearts are hard, and they're not going... Um, Isaiah asked an interesting question there, probably the same one that I would have asked. Um, Lord, how long? How long do you want me to preach to these people who aren't going to listen? You remember what God said? Until the cities be wasted and without inhabitants. Today we would say, until there's nobody left. Don't worry about the results. I told you to go and preach. Go and preach. I'll take care of all that. Obedience. Go forth in obedience, no matter the cost, no matter the response, no matter the result. I was reading about an old missionary uh, to China. I like to find free PDF old books online, and I was reading this old missionary to China. He was from the Southern Baptist Convention during the Civil War. Can you imagine what that must have been like in China and the support level and all that goes along with that, all right? So he's over there in China, and he's preaching the gospel, and there's this other guy who's over there, and he's been there like 29 years preaching, and he's not seen one person saved yet. And so these two missionaries are talking, and the one guy says to the guy writing the book, he says, you think it's about time for that guy to go home? Maybe, maybe he should uh, you know, just wrap things up and go back. And you know what he said? Not if he's doing what God wants him to do. Not if he's preaching the gospel. Not if he's there in obedience. He should just keep on preaching. Go forth in obedience no matter the cost, no matter the response, no matter the result. No excuse. Go forth in obedience. Notice our text again, Psalm 126. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth Bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Go forth with weeping. Go forth in compassion. In Luke 19, 41, it says of Jesus, he beheld the city and wept over it. When was the last time you wept over lost souls? When was the last time you wept in prayer for your neighbor or your family loved ones or your coworkers or those that your missionaries around the world are striving to reach? Jesus beheld the city and wept over it. Mark 9:36 and Mark and Matthew 9:36 and Mark 6:34 the same thing is said. But when he, that is Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. What is our response when we see the multitudes, when we see sinners? I know sometimes I'm quick to respond in anger. I'm driving down the interstate, that guy cuts me off, I see that sin. 
my first response should be compassion. When we see that politician and he comes out and he wants to implement that ungodly, immoral, wicked law or policy, do we respond in anger or do we respond in compassion? That guy's going to hell. That, that woman is going to hell if they don't repent and believe in the Lord Jesus. I pray for every Supreme Court justice every week by name that they'll be saved. Do we have compassion on them or we just pray that God will remove them and, and get them out of the way? I, I, I want to share a secret with you, with you that has changed my life in this particular area about sinners, okay? You may want to write this down. You, you may want to keep this. I'm sure my kids already know what I'm going to say, all right? Because this, this has changed my life. Here's the secret. There's something about sinners that we need to remember. Sinners sin. That's what they do. They're professional at it. Sinners sin. That is what sinners do. And so many times we get angry at sinners for doing what they do instead of having compassion and asking God to give us grace to make a difference. Go forth with weeping. Second Timothy 3.16 says that as things get worse and worse, deceivers, these false teachers, they're going to deceive and they are also being deceived. You know, many, many of these guys, the people of this world making the laws and the rules... They're just as deceived. You know, they, they go out and they do things and they're deceiving people, but the Bible says they're also deceived. They're also blinded. They need the light of the glorious gospel in their own lives. We need to respond in compassion. My pastor once said, plants need water and souls need tears. Weeping. Going forth and weeping. I don't like to share illustrations about myself, so we'll start this one. I knew a man once, all right? Um, growing up, from the earliest time I can remember, I'm talking like three, four years old, when we would go to bed at night, we would pray together at our bed, and we'd go to bed. And every night we would pray for my grandma to come to know Christ as Savior, Nana. Every night I'd pray for Nana to trust Christ. And we grew up praying and praying, and my dad, that was my dad's mom, asked for Nana. Every time we would go to prayer meeting that I could remember, he put up his hand, pray for my mom to be saved. Pray for my mom to be saved. Well, then one day, Nana, who, who lives, she's still alive, she's 97 years old today, uh, she um, came down from Maine, and she visited us in Indiana, and uh, she came to prayer meeting. My dad had witnessed to her countless times, and I thought, well, this would be interesting, because it's like the first time I can remember Dad not asking prayer for Nana. Oh, no, his hand went right up. She's sitting right next to him. I thought, he is not. Really, he's not. Good. Pray for my mom to be saved. She needs to be saved. That's how I grew up. When my wife and I got married, we decided we were going to pray for Nana. I told my wife on this day every week, don't bother making me anything to eat. I'm going to be fasting that day every day for Nana to get saved. And I would call my Nana and she'd say, oh, don't worry about me. I grew up in church. I used to teach Sunday school. I'll be okay. Don't worry about me. She used to tell my dad, sonny boy, don't worry about me. 
I'll be good enough to make it. No, you won't. You're a sinner, and the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Nana, it's only through Jesus Christ. It's not through your good works. It's not through your history. It's not through your church. Oh, don't worry about me, sonny boy. I'll be okay. She came out and visited us some years later. She was in her 70s at this point. I can remember calling her on the phone, weeping, begging her to trust Christ as Savior. I'll be okay. Don't worry about me. And then in her 70s, my dad said, Mom, come on, let's sit down. I want to share the good news with you just one more time. She took my Nana into his office, and they both came out about an hour and a half later with smiles on their faces because my Nana had repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And she began that relationship and that walk with the Lord. You imagine a 70, 80, now 90-year-old lady reading her Bible and telling us what she's learning as she grows in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Go forth in obedience. Go forth with weeping. And finally, I want us to see this last point. And by the way, this is not in my notes, but it's come to my mind. I know there are freshmen here uh, entering Bible college, and we were talking at lunch about um, our own experiences, Pastor and I, and, and the challenges of getting dropped off and all that goes along with that. And you know what, freshmen? There might be some tears this semester and next semester, but you know what? Just obey. Go forth in obedience. Even when there's tears, even when there's homesickness, because look at this last point. Go forth in obedience and in weeping. Go forth with the precious seed, because the Bible says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. That only comes... When you follow this universal principle of truth, you plant bad seed, you don't get anything. You don't go forth in obedience, you don't get anything. You don't go forth with compassion, there's no fruit, there's no response. But if you go forth in obedience, and you go forth with weeping and compassion, and you go forth with the precious seed, and that's what Bible college, and that's what walking with the Lord and the Word of God every day is all about, the Bible says, you will doubtless come again with rejoicing. Do you see it there? Luke 8 verse 11 tells us what the seed is. The seed is the word of God. That's what Jesus said. The seed is the word of God. It's good to go forth with cookies to reach out to your neighbor. It's good to go forth with social programs like digging wells and doing Christian hospitals around the world. I'm thankful. My wife got some serious malaria this last term on the field. And I'm thankful for a Christian hospital that was there because I was concerned. I mean, I don't know how my wife, how, if she realized how concerned I was, but I was desperately concerned. And I'm thankful for those things. But you know what? Nobody ever got saved because they had access to clean water. And nobody ever got saved from cookies, as much as I love cookies. And we talk a lot about building bridges, and we should we should build bridges, but we've got to cross the bridges with the seed, the good seed. We must share the gospel that can change lives. Romans ten seventeen says what? So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. That's what makes the difference. I wish I had all evening to tell you of families and individuals in Cameroon 
whose lives have been changed by the good seed of the Word of God, the Gospel. I remember getting there early on, and I'd come home from a counseling situation that I thought, this is impossible, this is hopeless. And I'd come home, and Becca would say, how did it go? And I would say, it was awesome. God's Word is awesome. The good seed of the Word, when taken into the heart and received and obeyed, it works. You will doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing your sheaves with you. I remember one couple, there was a lady coming to our church. She had a little boy. And uh, after some time, finally, she brought her husband and said, look, we're, we're having serious marriage problems. My husband's willing to give one more chance. If, if this marriage counseling doesn't work, we're, we're getting divorced. That's it. We're done. We sat down together and opened the seed and shared the gospel and found out that Raymond, her husband, wasn't even saved. He grew up Catholic. How, how, can a marriage, how can a marriage survive if it's not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ? It, it, it might last temporarily, even 40, 50 years, but it's not going to be strong. It's not going to be God's ideal. And, and Raymond trusted Christ as Savior that day. Same week, we're trying to give hope. He's trusted Christ as Savior. I get this call from the village. We're out in the village. We, we were in the town that day. We're out in the village. It's looking hopeless. All right, I'll, I'll come out. The mother-in-law, she's there. She's shaking her head. This is it. I think she was even encouraging her daughter to, to get a divorce. And your missionary, Ben Sinclair, shows up with what? Nothing but the seed. That is it. The good seed of the word. That's all I've got. I don't have any opinion. I don't have any magic pill. The word of God. We sit down and we share truth. And listen, if you'll take this good seed and plant it in your lives, God will change this marriage. The mother-in-law's kind of sitting there. Wow, that, that, there's hope in that, that message. There's hope in that. And the couple says, yes, we're going to do it. We're going to stick to our homework. We're going to go through this process. And they went through that counseling and Raymond got baptized, and they started growing in grace. And you know what? They've got two more little boys since then. That family is doing great, growing there in Faith Baptist Church in Bamenda. Why? Because I'm such a great missionary? Absolutely not. Why? Because I've, I've learned so many things through the... No. It's not experience. It's not me at all. We just went forth. We just obeyed. We just went with weeping and compassion and we went forth with the precious seed. It's God's word. It's God's word that will change our lives if we will apply it and obey it. I don't know how this message affects you this evening and I'm going to turn it over to pastor in a moment. Go forth. Go forth in obedience. Go forth with compassion. Even weeping. And go forth with the seed of the word. Not your opinion. Not a self-help program. Go forth with the word of God. He can make a difference if we'll yield to him and his word. Father, again, I don't know what you have planned in lives tonight. But the word has been proclaimed. And I pray that our response, now that we've been open for business, we would be willing to 
to deal with you this evening as you lead. God, have your will and way, I pray in Jesus' name. Privilege of seeing 